0: Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the God Center Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where we remind you through mentorship, friendship, and discipleship that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 209, I've invited Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith to help us identify which of the seven types of rest we need.
1: And for me, that's what rest is about. Rest is about restoration. It keeps me in that place where when woundings come, whether they're physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, creative, when some type of wounding hits my life, if I wanted to be restored, I have to allow myself to get to a place where I lay down my ability to try to fix it. Because as long as I'm trying to fix it, I I don't have the power to fix it. He only has the power to fix even every one of the seven types of rest is where God is coming in in some type of either spiritual or physical or scientific way that's healing us and I think when I started to really recognize and understand that I was able to accept just who he is more and how trusting him is part of the journey of getting better.
0: Rest is about restoration and it's Allowing God to heal us. And Sandra in this episode is sharing vulnerably her story of how she had a breakdown as a practicing physician and mom to two boys, how God showed her seven different types of rest, and how it can actually heal us. I can't wait to share her insights with you. Make sure you stick around the end of the episode. She shares just a a part of her story. If you are someone who grew up in a single parent home, I just... I always am nervous y'all won't listen to the end of the show and I don't want you to miss that. It's a really helpful episode, especially heading into summer when we have a chance to start some of these practices. Before we get to that, I have a really fun thing to tell you about. If you are looking for a good Father's Day present or maybe you lead a small group and you're looking for curriculum or maybe you want to start a mother and sons group this summer and you're looking for curriculum, it's called the Faith Playbook. Back in May, a Paul David trip. Scott Hansen got together with several professional football players from Philadelphia and recorded this great content and you can get access to it by purchasing a streaming license. When you purchase that license, you can get access to these videos whenever you want on demand. You can rewatch them all the way through this year. They um, go away the end of December 2018. But it's, it's so, what's so great is they also give you a PDF on how you can take this long video and break it down into four different sessions or eight different sessions. And they give you discussion questions. I know my boys are going to love it. If you also have football fans, or maybe you can use this as a way to share the gospel with people in your community and they love football and they're open. Um, it's a great tool for that. If you want to go check it out, go to GodCenterMom.com forward slash faith playbook, and you can find the links there and all the info on how to purchase that streaming license. All right, let's get to my conversation with Sandra. Here we go. Hey, Sandra, welcome to the god Center Mom podcast. Thanks, Heather. I'm excited to be here. Man, I'm so thankful to connect with you and this topic. And ladies, I know I've shared books with you and resources, but um, this one for me is, is sticking around. I don't, I mean... I don't always feel this way about books, Sandra. I have to tell you, <laughs> this is special what you've done. So thank you for putting your time and energy into it. Uh, before we start talking about Sacred Rest, would you introduce the gal listening to your family?
1: Absolutely. I have been married for 17 years to my husband, Bobby, and we have two boys, Tristan and Isaiah. They are 12 and 13. Um, we wow. live in Alabama. <laughs> 12 and 13 back to back. Pretty much. (laughs) They're 21 months apart. Heading into those full on teen years. I'm loving it. Actually, they're changing so much. And it's just a mystery kind of what each day is going to look like with them now. So every part of motherhood just has its own blessings and challenges. So I'm just enjoying the journey with them.
0: And you are a medical doctor. I am. Are you still practicing
1: full-time? I still practice. I practice three out of the five days out of the week now, Okay. Um, particularly since I'm doing a lot of other things with writing and other activities that I enjoy doing. And honestly, that decision came around the time when I had my meltdown with the book. I had to start making some cha- some changes to mm-hmm. decide what was my career going to look like and was I going to focus it more on, you know, the financial aspect of it or the happiness <laughs> aspect of it so that I could actually enjoy my job again.
0: That's great. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that story because when you are writing about this topic, I can sense that it's personal. You aren't just giving us advice, like we should rest, but this is coming from a place of uh, experience and um, tell us what led to your passion
1: on this topic. Well, when both of my boys were under the age of two, it was right after my second son had been born, I had this idea that I needed to be super mom and be able to mm-hmm. do it all and be it all and have a full time career and, and, you know, keep my husband happy and my house clean and all this stuff. So I, I kept pushing and pushing myself till I got to the point where I literally just burned out. I wasn't happy with my job. I couldn't see how my marriage could survive. I didn't want my kids anymore. I was just at the end of myself. I, I didn't want. I didn't want the life I created. And and that's the thought that kept coming back to me was that, you know, this is what I've been praying and asking God for. I've been praying for this family and praying for these kids and praying for this career. And I was sitting in the middle of what should have been my perfect answered prayer, and it felt like a nightmare. And so I got to that point where I I just crashed. I I crashed and burned and I literally ended up on the floor in the middle of my foyer after picking up my kids from daycare, uh, you know, after a a day of work, picking them up. I set them in front of that TV and I laid down on the floor because I was just literally that exhausted. I, I didn't even want to like go to the bedroom or or anything like that. I just laid out on the floor. And um, honestly, that's where God met me at. He met me right there and it showed me a peace that I didn't think was possible in that type of, you know, depleted, chaotic type situation. And it opened up a whole new thought process on what rest looks like and how easy and attainable it is when we kind of look at it in a different way, not just as vacations or the pedicures or, you know, those things that we associate with rest. But what really is required to live a life that is enjoyable and uh, and and at a point where you you want to keep living it? So you were recognizing you were spent. You were recognizing
0: you were the end of yourself. And I'm I have had those moments uh, a couple different times in my motherhood journey. And there is someone listening that she is feeling that right now. Was your husband clued in? Was he saying, "Okay, honey, you're pushing yourself too far"? Or were your friends? Or was it only? you kind of cluing into your overall exhaustion.
1: Well, that's the thing. And that's, that's one of the types of rest I talk about is um, this mask we kind of put on, we can pretend to be super mom for a long time. Mm -hmm. And people have no idea just how in distress you actually are. Because no, I I don't think anyone looking at my life would have known where I was at. On the outside, it looked Pinterest perfect. I mean, Mm -hmm. it looked beautiful. But on the inside, I was decaying quickly and had gotten to the point of depletion that was that was literally life or death for me. I mean, my body hurt just from the level of stress that I was carrying on a day to day basis. And my husband knew the side effects of it. In other words, you know, our our relationship was strained. I remember one time coming home from work and I don't know what was going on, what the specifics of it were at that time, but he said something or he put his arm around me or he pulled me close or something. And I remember looking at him with all the truth I had in (laughs) me and just telling him, You know, I I have nothing left for you tonight. I poured everything I had out in that last room of that hospital. I have nothing left for you and just walked away and and went and went to bed. Hmm. And and when I think about that, I I praise God for his patience, you know, with me during that time, because that's how I felt. I, I didn't feel like there was anything left to give anybody else at the end of the day.
0: Man, so relate to that. And I, I am sure I've gotten the emails from ladies who listen to the show who feel have felt that and are feeling that. And it's the reality of our limits, right? We Absolutely. are physical beings. And you get into this a little bit about, you know, the body, soul, spirit. We can't deny all three are at work here. And I mean, we just had an episode on corporate working moms and talking about how do you do all the things. And it's it is physically possible. To be really organized and, but to recognize um, the needs you have in different areas of your life. And I think if you did, ask, if you had asked me before I read your book, I would have thought, yeah, I, I need a nap or yeah, I'm exhausted. Uh, I would have seen it as a one dimensional definition of exhaustion and rest, like mm-hmm. problem solution. Um, how did you? Get past like that definition for yourself. How did you get to the place where you saw all the different areas of our lives that that require attention?
1: Well, I started off with the basics because you know this isn't something that's taught or trained in medical school. Yeah, it's you know we kind of focus on the mind, body, spirit aspect. So that's where I started that, and I started kind of researching and looking at. Just for my own personal benefit, I knew that I had to get back control of these areas, how to improve the mind, the body and the spirit. So those kind of naturally started coming into play. But after I kind of had looked at all of that and done as much research as I could, I I didn't see I wasn't where I wanted to be. I was better, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't where I wanted to be. And I still felt that emptiness. And that's when I really started praying and kind of researching the scripture and looking at some of God's perspective on it. I started actually doing some studies on the Sabbath and looking at the specifics of all these things that he said not to do on the Sabbath. And I was like, why would you say not to do you know, this particular activity? What does that have to do with anything? Mm. Mm. And a lot of that started to kind of my, my thinking on it started to open up. Okay. Well, what, what are you not doing when you avoid the walking, you know, for exercise level What is the benefit of just uh, kind of shutting down some of your physical activity? What is the benefit of not cooking and doing all these different activities during that time? And that's when the sensory aspect of it and some of these other things started to come forth. The more I read about rest and God's perspective of it, even just in the, the creation story. When God looks back and he declares things good, and then he rests, you know then he rests, and I thought god when I thought to my own myself about my own life, you know, I prayed and asked God for all these things and and i and I had that that feeling of when's the last time had I looked back and declared anything good, mm-hmm. I had just kept receiving it without reflecting on it being being um grateful for it or doing what God had already shown was uh, was how our body and our mind and our spirit and our experience to those things should be. And so it was it, it was kind of a, a ongoing life learning lesson (laughs) with God to kind of pull out all of these different areas. And then I started taking it back to my patients, Mm. because after I started feeling so much better, I started noticing so many men and women coming in. And the number one complaint is I'm tired all the time. You know, when I started doing all the things I would normally do, Taking their, ex, you know, their lab work and looking for all the different, th- everybody's thinking about thyroid and adrenal gland issues. So, you know, doing the test to check for those things, most of, uh, most of the time, I would say 95% of the time, everything would be perfectly normal. Hmm. And so I started getting to that point where I had to make a decision, was I just going to tell them, oh, go take," you know, go sleep more, which the reality is most of them could not sleep because they were so chronically stressed and, and their mental stress and physical body pain related to stress was keeping them from even getting high quality sleep. So even sleep wasn't helping. Mm. And that's when I started um, kind of creating ways to help my patients use what I'd learned to, to, to heal myself.
0: Okay. So catch the gallop. What are the
1: seven areas of rest that you discovered? The seven types of rest are physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative.
0: So good. The mental rest blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, yes. For those of us who don't give ourselves a break in our mind, you know, beating ourselves up or the when we talk about lies that we believe or repeat, mm-hmm. um, that was really, really helpful for me. I mean, and I, because I think, Whoever's listening may uh, be thinking, sure, rest sounds amazing, but I have lots of little kids or I do have that full-time job and there's no way that I'm going to, I don't know when I would fit it in. I have poured out every single place. And so you've done this research, you've found these seven areas. What did you do next? What did you do to start taking action? What did you coach your, your patients through to, to start actually implementing this? Because I think we believe a lie talking about that mental, needing the mental rest. We believe a lie that this is how it's going to be and there's no way to change. And there's just no option for me unless I had a million dollars and can go to another country for vacation for a couple of weeks. I mean, what what steps do you coach people through to start taking?
1: Well, that's the thing. And I think you hit on a great point there is that you know, the whole vacation mindset. What I tell people is I want you to pull that out of your rest vocabulary because, you know, vacations are not restful for most of us. Vacation, <laughs> Especially if you have young kids, are, right? Yeah.
0: Slathering on sunscreen
1: and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're fun, but they're they're just fun work in a different location, yeah. but it's still work. Yeah. So vacation, I have people remove that whole vocabulary because really what I, what I try to help my patients see is rest should be a lifestyle. I don't want them just enjoying their life on vacation. I want them to enjoy every day of their life and being able to appreciate that their body has their body is what God's given you to be able to enjoy life. And so we have to be able to constantly get rest when we need it, not wait till we're fully depleted, but be poured into and be restored on a regular basis. So I like to try to make sure that for each type of rest, they have very specific tiny things that they can do throughout the day. Things that don't add to their to do list. So it seems more overwhelming, but they just become natural things that they that they are, are doing. Um, I'll just give you an example for um, like physical rest. I have a lot of moms who will come in and they're telling me that they're having chronic headaches or neck pain and back aches. And they're not, and they say, well, I don't do anything that, you know, that should be causing that. But they're picking up a 20, 30 pound child, you know, yeah. throughout the day. And if i told anyone else to pick up 20, to 30 pounds throughout the day, they would say that they're lifting a lot of heavy weight all day long. Yeah. You know, but for us moms, that seems like you, that's just what you do. So I try to help them understand that. Even though that's something you're you're going to end up doing throughout the day, picking up for hugs or whatever, when you're feeling that neck pain or that tension in the neck, I teach them very simple, just self-massage techniques that require two of their fingers and just just the mentality of recognizing what your body feels like and not ignoring it because so often we have the tendency to just ignore pain and we do it physically and and mentally and spiritually. Sometimes we want to just ignore it until we have time to deal with it. And what that does is it causes cumulative um, buildup of the pain. And so then that leads to what we call scar tissue and physical aspect, but you can also have wounding and scars of your wounds physically mentally and spiritually so i have them start addressing things as they're sensing them whether that's relaxing a muscle on the spot when you first start telling that it's tense because a self-massage doesn't have to be a 20-minute ordeal it can be a two-minute and i I think i'm going to do a youtube video at some point in time showing people how to do this because so many people don't know how where you're just taking two fingers, um, you're sticking them into the area of your neck that's tense, and you just rotate your shoulder around. You, it's like moving your elbow in like a semicircle so that your fingers automatically will need that muscle in a way that loosens it up. Mm. And so you release some of the tension immediately. The Another thing that I find with um Moms, that tends to be a big issue is emotional rest. Yeah. A lot of them say they don't have time to go hang out at the coffee shop with their friends because the kids would be running around like wild yeah. <laughs> It's not, so, it's not <laughs> enjoyable. It's not enjoyable. No, it's not enjoyable when you're screaming at the kids because you can't drink your coffee. Yeah. So what I have them do is. When, what are you, what is ever your normal routine looks like? There are There are some periods of time during your day when your kids are occupied, comfortably occupied. Whether that's coloring for five minutes, ten minutes, sitting in front of the TV for a few minutes, whatever it is where they're comfortably occupied. It is very simple to get emotional rest with other women that you enjoy being around, women that feed you and edify you simply by using something like FaceTime, Zoom, Skype, something where you can physically see them because the benefit from emotional and social rest really has to do with being in someone's presence who is edifying to you. Mm-hmm. And so that presence that we that interaction from being with someone can be just that simple. I have a, a, two girlfriends that one lives in Canada, one lives in California, and I'm in the southeast. Once a month, we make a point of getting on Skype and we're on for an hour and we want to see each other. We only get to, we only actually get to have face to face contact in the same room once a year because of our schedules. But every month, we make that a priority. And it is a a beautiful time of healing and just reconnection just to be able to see someone. And so it doesn't have to be an hour like we do. It could be 10 minutes once a week where you and your best girlfriend have a little bit of Skype time. And most of us, we can get our kids calmed down or even during their nap time for 10 minutes to be able to have that little bit of social and emotional connection. I like all
0: those ideas. I just tried the massage here in my closet. I was was thinking you could maybe even get a kid on board, like get them a tennis ball and have them roll it up and down your back. I mean, take advantage of the uh, the little workers you have around you. Um, another thing with the getting the mom time is a tool my little group of moms has discovered is this thing called Marco Polo, which I am sure for teenagers is bad, but for adult moms, it's a great way you can share little videos, and everyone in the group can see them, and it's super quick, and you can watch it when you have a second and Anyway, it's very connecting to see other moms doing their day, and uh, we've just really enjoyed it. So I, I totally can see how that that's emotionally filling for me, which especially as an extrovert, I need more than I realize. So those are all great ideas. We also have these podcast clubs where listeners – um plan and get together with other moms that listen to the show. And mm-hmm. so we give them discussion questions, but I think that that's the power of not just listening to this podcast on your own, but gathering with other moms in similar stages and talking through these topics and, and using it as an excuse to get together. Cause we do, we really need the the live feedback emotionally, um, especially, you know, with, young, with littles during the summer, um, it can be a bit exhausting. I remember watching some young moms going to the pool together. I think they'd planned to meet and it mm-hmm. took them like 30 minutes to get the babies ready to go in the pool. They were in the pool for like 10 minutes <laughs> and it took another 30 <laughs> minutes to like take the swim diapers off and put, you know, put the clothes back on, uh, and get back home for nap time. It, it looked exhausting physically, um, to get that little bit of social in, but to remind them that it, it's worth it, <laughs> even if it's a lot of work to get there
1: it certainly is worth it and that's why I love I love the together time you know and to make those kind of big gestures of making a time to get together but I think oftentimes that that for a lot of moms they use that as, as a reason why they can't do it. right
0: it's all or nothing. It is so right. much
1: work yes and so that's why I really like for them to start looking at it kind of different yeah. I mean 10 minutes You would think 10 minutes would make that big of a deal, but when you have 10 minutes of kind of a heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul connection with someone, it makes a huge difference in how your day goes. Because your husband may not be able to relate to what's gone on throughout your day as a mom, Mm -hmm. but your girlfriend can. Mm -hmm. And so you feel that connection, and you feel that ability to just be truly authentic Uh, with that person and there's a huge release that happens with that a lot of stress that I'm finding particularly the emotional stress that a lot of women deal with is because they don't have those people in their lives where they feel like they can just be authentic without apology just say it like it is without sugarcoating it or making it pretty kind of the ugly truth so to speak and having those people uh, is a huge release because you don't feel like you have to carry that around um, as if you're hiding behind a mask all the time.
0: And for the moms who have corporate jobs or like you were working in the medical field, I mean, even like you're saying, like a quick five minute FaceTime from work, I, I'm guessing like in a break or something would actually feed your soul. Because I'm sure when you're meeting the kids needs and the, the work needs and the husband needs, the social probably gets put to the very bottom, but something that you're emotional state needs desperately.
1: Absolutely. And what I found for a lot of women, um, particularly women who work outside the home and, you know, they the work and the mommy role, they tend to really put a lot of focus on. I'm really big about marriages, staying strong and healthy and vibrant and passionate. What I find for them, that's something that actually is more beneficial for some of them is to to fall back in love with their husbands again, mm-hmm. is to learn how to to kind of ignite and keep that passionate side of marriage still going. And so sometimes for them, I actually recommend doing a FaceTime for five minutes with their husband yes. during both of their lunch breaks, where they're looking in each other's eyes, because I find that to be something women don't do very much of anymore. We talk to our husbands kind of looking past each other without actually looking into each other's eyes. And oftentimes that's where the the initial relationship happened was across from each other where you're having those deep conversation looking into each other's eyes. So to get back into that habit of staring at each other and talking and FaceTime is a very um, easy way to do that. It's uncomfortable if you haven't done that, you know, 15 years. <laughs> and then, I'm telling you to get to sit down and to do it. Um, you know, even at restaurants, you see it, everyone's got their cell phones out. No one's looking in each other's eyes. Mm-hmm. So it, it trains us to be able to have that type of closeness with people again.
0: Jumping in here to tell you about a fabulous resource and a sponsor that keeps this show going. Cultivate What Matters has an awesome new product. I've told you before about their Write the Word journals, where we moms can get a scripture prompt and write out that verse and write out our gratitude and have space to just connect with God. Well, now they're offering a Write the Word for kids Bible journal. It is gorgeous. It's bright. It's full of coloring pages. It comes with stickers, four pages of stickers for you guys who have sticker lovers. And it gives your kids a space to write and draw the word and what's on their hearts. But it's more than just doodling and drawing. It's about planting these seeds of faith in the lives of the next generation. Write the Word for Kids is the perfect way to cultivate faith in the life of your little ones. So go check it out. Head over to bit.ly forward slash cultivate GCM. You are going to want to look at it for yourself. My six-year-old, he adores it. And it's such a great way to help teach our kids spiritual rest as we're talking about that topic today. How do we rest and know the truth of God's word and rest in it? And how do we train our kids to do the same? All right, let's get back to my conversation with Sandra. Here we go. That's good. Let's talk about the mental rest where a lot of us especially if if it is a stay at home mom who might be home with kids a lot during the summer and and maybe even social media is kinda of telling her that she's missing out on a bunch of fun that all of her friends are having, or maybe she left a corporate job to stay home and it's just not feeling worth it. What what do we how do we do that? <laughs> mental rest
1: area. Whoa. Well, one thing you mentioned about social media, you know, the I love social media in that it does keep us well connected, but most mm-hmm. of us have a limit to what we can, can tolerate with that. Mm-hmm. And so kind of making sure that you're not exceeding your limits with social media, in other words, allowing it to kind of control your day so that you're never having some downtime away from it mental rest, I find for a lot of women, it tends to become a huge issue when they're trying to go to sleep at night. And they because a lot of times women will say, you know, I don't have an issue with that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, my mind's fine. But When they try to lay down at nighttime, they're having all these thoughts that are kind of racing through. Uh, They have what I call monkey brain. It's like all these things are swinging around in their head space, and they're not able to kind of wind down enough to be able to put things aside. So one thing that I think a lot of moms would benefit from if they're not already doing it is some form of journaling. And I don't mean journaling like this is something else to put on the to-do list. I mean something as simple as having just a post-it note at the bedside so that when you lay down down at nighttime, if you find that there's a lot of stuff that hits your head, all of a sudden, you're reliving conversations, or there's thoughts that keep popping up fears that keep popping up, whatever it is, is not to analyze it at that point, because you're trying to go to sleep. So that's not analyze time. What you want to do is to dump it out of your brain, onto a concrete surface, which is a piece of paper, so that your mind will release it because our, our brain is set up in such a way that it's protective. So when something hits it and starts going around that endless loop, the mind says, this is important to her, so I need to hold on to it because I don't want to let her down and then she needs it and I can't pull it back up. Mm. Whereas some of the stuff doesn't need to be held on to, particularly if you're trying to go to sleep. So when you write it down on something concrete, like a piece of paper or if you have to put it into your phone or whatever to have it outside of your mind so that then your, your brain will release it and allow you to go into a deeper level of sleep. That way you can go back to it at a later time. I know a lot of women do this with their to-do list. They lay down at night and they're thinking, oh, I need to make sure I do this, that, and the other. You would be better off writing the to-do list down as you're thinking about it right then, set it aside, then your mind will be able to release that thought so that it can go on into to resting and sleeping and being cleared. It's almost like just dumping that information out. Yeah. Uh, the, another thing is that sometimes women get caught on what I call the negative the negative self loop, mm-hmm. where they start having these, this is never going to change, this is just my life, this is how it's going to be, everything's always hard, you know, <laughs> yeah. mindset. And, and when you start dwelling on that, the, the, automatically the mind is going to want to go to the negative it's almost like going down a hill. It's much easier for the mind to kind of continue down that downward path rather than kind of uplift itself. So the way that that's some easy ways that women can uplift their mind and keep it in a, in a right perspective is to surround themselves with things that are positive and engaging. Sometimes it's as simple as if there's a scripture that speaks to you and um, the creative rest part, if there's beautiful art that speaks to you, it, it may not speak a word to anybody else, but, <laughs> but it says something to you to surround, to, to put some of those things in your surroundings. Um, women in, who have their own offices. I know in my office, I have a piece of, of art on my wall. It's just the center piece of art that's on my wall. It means nothing to probably no one else, but it makes me smile every time I see it. Yeah. And it's been on my wall for, for 10 years now. And I put it there on purpose because it makes me happy. Mm. And I think that's important to know that, that there are, there are ways to kind of feed the positive uh, in our mental space so that we don't allow our minds to kind of roll down that negative hill.
0: That's good. You'd mentioned too, creating a mental sanctuary. Talk about that. What does that mean for you?
1: For me, it's that safe place in our mind where we can retreat to. Because oftentimes when we start going down that negative, we are more judge. We are always more judgmental of ourselves than than anyone else would ever be, and so we can't have our mental space be judging and and the judge and jury space. Our mental space should be where our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings can all be able to retreat to, so that they can have a time of healing, where they can take a breath and experience just being. And so for for myself, what a mental sanctuary looks like is kind of the white space of the mind where I don't have to prove anything to anyone, not even to myself. I don't have to represent anything to anyone. I don't have to show up in a certain way. However, I walk into my mental sanctuary. I'm good. It's OK. I'm accepted. I'm loved. I'm appreciated. And I think every woman should have that place in herself where she she feels like there is there is a a point I can get to where I am always enough. And that is your mental sanctuary. And when you start thinking about yourself like that, you start living like that. You're not so withdrawn. You're more willing to be vulnerable and authentic, you you take away that, that what I call people pleaser behavior, where you feel like you have to prove your worth with your work, mm-hmm. and you're able to just be.
0: And you mentioned in the book about, you know, pointing back to Romans 8, 6, uh, not to set our mind on the flesh or the things that are temporary, but to set on the spirit. And I think, you know, for the, the moms who listen here, that's a good place is to really narrow in on their identity in Christ, focus on the mm-hmm. characteristics of God. That's what you're saying. So that we aren't looking to our own efforts for that approval, but realizing we are already approved and coming from that place. So it's taking a second to remind yourself of the truth of who you
1: are in Christ um, in that mental sanctuary. That's so good. Absolutely. and sometimes it's helpful to even write out who God says you are yeah because when you're when your mind starts kind of taking you down that proof proof that you're worth it prove that you're worth the rest prove that you're worth pulling away and taking time for yourself and self-care you you're able to then see that that's not necessary you know we already have permission to rest you know the mommy guilt that sometimes comes with that is really a lie. It's a lie to keep us in that. I look at it as the John ten ten. 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's doing it to a lot of us through our inability to rest, our inability to trust God that when we lay things down, that he is able to uphold them. So for me with four boys mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, having a
0: highly sensitive uh, nervous system, I would say I'm in that highly sensitive person area talk about sensory rest, because it just feels impossible. It feels impossible that I will get a break. And then I'm also, you know, on the phone, I feel like the sensory of even things coming, I call it coming at me from my phone or from just the environment. We live in the city.
1: Um, What advice do you have for rest in that area? Sensory rest, I think was one of the most interesting ones when I started looking into it, cause it's not one that's well discussed. Yeah. Um, but, but everyone knows when they're not getting <laughs> enough of it, because like you said, you do become hypersensitive mm-hmm. and, and hot and rich sensory experiences become less enjoy- enjoyable. Fireworks, mm-hmm. concerts, things where it's just lots of noise, they become less enjoyable from that. Um, a couple of the just really small things for sensory rest. A lot of times it's particularly, um, Those who are believers, when they hop in the car, they they kind of automatically think that putting on worship music would be a good idea because, you know, it's a spiritual event that you got a chance to worship. I find that people who have difficulty with sensory rest do better to have no noise in the car at all to try because sometimes they can't practice silence any other time. Yeah. But so no, we're not
0: a, talking about when all the kids are in the car. We're talking like no, you're going to
1: do the worship drink. music, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> or a book on tape. That's been helpful for me, like Adventures in Odyssey or something, where mm-hmm. everyone quietly listens. That to that's me is good. better yeah. than everyone fighting and screaming
1: and making noises all at the same time. Yeah, and it that's a good point, point. and if there if there seems to never be a time when you're without your child when the car can be quiet. That's why I know a lot of parents that you know get their quiet time is in the car. Is when you're actually at home, and it sounds very bizarre, but that whole prayer closet mentality, yeah, is not a bad thing because the reality is, when you're in a closed-in space, as long as you're not claustrophobic, <laughs> the, the lack of light. That would happen in a closet. The lack of sound, you know, if everybody's asleep or taking a nap or whatever to have. And it's not large doses of it. And I think that's the thing to keep in mind. We're not talking a 20 minute, you know, shut yourself in the closet. We're talking as little as two to three minutes of sensory rest or sensory deprivation, really, where you're depriving your senses of input helps to reset your mind, your body, your spirit, and every other aspect of you. So closing your eyes, at, if you're sitting at your desk and there's no closet or anything around, you're working on your computer, closing your eyes and just keeping them closed for two minutes, that's a type of sensory deprivation. You can even do that right now to start feeling how just doing that starts bringing a sense of calm. Mm-hmm. It, it's small amounts of sensory deprivation spread throughout your day. So however you can interject that with your kids, sometimes it's beneficial if you're noticing that you're having a lot of electronic feedback, uh, you're using your computer a lot, your cell phones, those type of things, to be aware that actually changing the lighting on them makes a huge difference in your eye strain. Mm. And how that affects your body in general. So if you're about to go to sleep at night, some phones have a setting. I think all of them probably do now have a setting where you can have your phone automatically adjust the light depending on the time of day. So as you approach nighttime, if you have to use your phone for something, then it would be a, uh, the screen would not be as bright and intense as it would be later you know, earlier in the morning when you're trying to, to see it. And then also having breaks, you know, actually putting your cell phone down for periods throughout the day.
0: I'm thinking too about if we start making these little, these little disciplines of rest a priority, we're modeling it for our kids because they're definitely growing up in a busier world than we did. Um, and for them to have healthy bodies and souls and spirits, they're not going to just pick up on this if we haven't modeled it. So if, if any motivation, if it's not your health and your sanity, maybe, maybe your kids' sanity is a motivator to, um, make this a priority. I mean, like yesterday, I got a cu- tiny glimpse into the summer. My boys didn't have as much homework. We didn't have any sports to go to. It was, it's, we live in Texas, so it was like 90 degrees. They didn't want to go outside and play. So they're just <laughs> running around inside just having the best time, but I was about to lose my mind. I was (laughs) like, guys, seriously, stop running. No, don't. They were like jumping off beds. I don't even know what they were doing, but it felt like the house was about to fall down. And I I need to implement your closet, prayer closet um, (laughs) ritual, whatever you want to call it, so that I don't lose it on my kids all summer because they're having a great time. They weren't doing anything, quote unquote, wrong. They weren't destroying anything, really. It just sounded like it. Mm-hmm. But I was struggling um, with the sensory overload and uh, don't want to lash out at them. So, in order, to, I think with moms, like you pointed out at the very beginning, we often don't clue into our physical or our emotional state um, or sensory state or whatever. State I know you have a quiz that helps us define these things, but we don't always clue in in the moment we just mm-hmm. react and we're so used to meeting everybody's needs that we're not often noticing oh, I'm feeling a lot of pain right now oh, I'm really depressed right now I'm really anxious right now um, to
1: even know that we need to start solving for it. That's so true and I think that's 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 an awesome point because if you if you don't allow yourself to be body aware. Then you're not going to know how to even correct it, right. and I think that's that's key because the quicker the the, the quicker you can identify I'm, I'm I'm getting into sensory overload, you can immediately do just something really small, even if it's like okay I'm going to the bathroom, kids, and you you don't have to use the bathroom at all, <laughs> right. you know, right? <laughs> you're you're just going in there's so you can close the door, sit on the you know sit on the tub and. <laughs> Right. Meditate for five minutes, you know, whatever is required, because it may look selfish, but it's not. It's actually the most giving thing you can do, because otherwise you're going to be toxic. Mm -hmm. And whether you think you're being toxic or not, if you if it causes you to lash out in a way that is unbecoming of the activities that are going on, then there's a toxicity there. And so the only way we detoxify is by allowing ourselves to be poured into. And being poured into, for me, because, you know, we talk about sleep and rest and naps and those kind of things. Well, for me, the difference between that, between sleep and rest is, you know, sleep is purely a biological function. It's a passive activity, purely biological. Rest has a huge spiritual component to it. Because when we do these restful type things that I'm talking about, yes, there's a, a, a scientific aspect to it. But there is a holy aspect to it as well, because it requires a bit of trust with God to be able to pull back and do some of these things. And that connection kind of, to me, keeps us in this abiding place with him. So that rest becomes more than just these little tips that we're doing, but is how we are practicing abiding in him in every area at all times.
0: You're cluing into a point that you made in your book about just faith and your own struggle that you shared. Um, tell a little bit about your story with faith and and trusting God.
1: I think that's why, probably why I burned out. To be honest with you, um, but I grew up not trusting God. My mother died soon after I was born. My my dad left the hospital a, a widow with a newborn. Mm. So I grew up um, feeling like I had been. Like God had not been fair, I guess is the word that comes to mind, that God had just not been fair with how he had dealt with me in my life. So when I thought about trusting him, I, I had no ability to trust him because I didn't feel he was trustworthy. Mm. And so I, that's probably not very Christian to say, but that's the no, truth. No, that's that's real. <laughs> that's, <laughs>
0: That's I've all. done enough no. of these interviews. You're not alone in this. no. this is real. I did
1: not feel he was trustworthy. So when I so in my head, I thought, well, if I can't trust him to work out a good life for myself, then I will work it out for myself. And that's what I did. You know, I studied hard. I, everything that I did, my life had the type A personality plan. And I, you know, I was, I was a girl with a plan and I was going to work my plan. Yeah. And like I said, I, all of those things that I had prayed for and asked for and wanted, they all came true. I had all of those things, but even with all of that, what I found was it still wasn't enough. It, it still didn't feel that, that, Extra bit that was needed to really make it where my life felt whole, and it, and it felt like it was accomplishing what I really desired, what the desire of my heart really was. Um, so for me, that overcoming that trust aspect of it took a very long time, and was a huge part of my my journey. What what was
0: involved in getting to a place? Because again, you're helping someone by sharing. <laughs> Sharing wherever she is on her journey of trusting, you know what 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 did God do, or what people did helped you, or was there any process that could lead to deeper trust and in, in God?
1: For me, it was it was. Every it seemed like a, a very long year, long years, long process because trust came kind of like layers of an onion. Yeah. Um, I can't say there was like a flip, uh, like a light switch that clicked. And all of a sudden I trusted God. It was bit by bit by bit. For instance, um My son was at one point was three years. This was in the journey when I was already looking at how I needed to recover my life. I'm at the hospital. I get a phone call or actually get a text that says, this is the daycare. We're headed to the ER with your son. Mm. Now, you know, as a mom, that's kind of like you know, what, Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you already have at that time, I was dealing with mommy guilt about my kids are in daycare, and you know, all this other yeah. stuff that I was trying to work through and get over. And then I get this text message. And so I'm, I'm headed, you know, I'm, I'm in the ER, I actually go back to where the daycare is, chase the ambulance to the ER, because I'm all in a panic. And I remember getting out of my car, and I was about to walk into the emergency room to see what was going on. And, you know, my big issue with God was about death. And I think Mm. it's actually why I became a doctor. I didn't want Mm. people to die anymore. Not on my watch, kind of was the the attitude. So I'm getting out and I I just felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, you know, because at this point, I actually had gotten to a much better place in my relationship where I felt like I trusted God. And I felt Holy Spirit asking me, if your son doesn't make it, will you still love me? Wow. And I thought to myself, and this is after about two years of working through my own rest journey and trying to to heal places that had been broken and wounded. And I was in my car just sobbing. And I thought as as much as it would break, I think everything in me to get back to that point where I did not feel God's presence in my life would, would have killed me more. Hmm. And that's that's when I really got the realization that I, I do trust you now. I, I trust you even in the middle of the pain because I, I know that you're good, even so when bad things happen, that those bad things aren't you. Hmm. You are always present to help me through them. And if I if I block you off from the healing, all it does is create a, a, a wound that has no uh, no ability to be to be restored. Mm. And for me, that's what rest is about. Rest is about restoration. It keeps me in that place where when woundings come, whether they're physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, creative, when some type of wounding hits my life, if I wanted to be restored, I have to allow myself to get to a place where I lay down my ability to try to fix it. Mm. Because as long as I'm trying to fix it, I, I don't have the power to fix it. He only has the power to fix even every one of the seven types of rest is where God is coming in in some type of either spiritual or physical or scientific way that's healing us. And I think when I started to really recognize and understand that, I was able to accept just who he is more and how trusting him is part of the journey of getting better.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You've nailed it. You've nailed how we, we try our hardest to prevent the pain. We do our best to try to make it right ourselves. And, and then it's that surrender. Where we're like, okay, <laughs> I'm to the end of my efforts. Um, I'll let you, I'll let you have a go, God. And his healing is so much better. And, and again, going back to the Sabbath that which means to cease, it's like, cease the striving. Trust me. It's what. Sleep is at the end of the day when we stop our work and we say, "Okay, I'll trust you that this will be here tomorrow and that you can help me tomorrow or this will be here in a couple days. And um, it's this acknowledgement of who's actually Mm -hmm. in control. And like you were saying, I wanted to control it so no one else would die um, if if we just do X, Y and Z. So being aware of that in our motherhood and our marriages and our lives, um, cluing into where we're trusting in our efforts over God's provision it is really, really good. So good. And there's so much more to your book. Oh, our time is <laughs> up. But there's a whole section, y'all, on the gifts. Gifts of freedom. Gifts of reflection. Gifts of acceptance. Gifts of permission. I mean, y'all, this is a, I feel like this is even just like a slow and soak read. I don't know. Do you think, I mean, I don't feel like this is even a book to like race through. This is yeah. like read, just kind of sit on it, <laughs> meditate
1: on it a little bit, see it. And there's a quiz. Is it only yeah. in the book? Or is it online? No, it's online actually. I actually recommend people do the online version um, over the one in the book because in the book you can kind of sit there and analyze the questions to death. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) online you just kind of flow with it and go through it. Is that restquiz.com? It's a really simple restquiz.com and they can do an assessment and they get an email after they go through the quiz that gives them a a score. Uh, You know, it's not a pass fail, but you know, it's a score (laughs) that lets you know where you stand in all of the different seven types of rest, which ones you're excelling at, which ones may need some work to try to help improve. Um, So I highly recommend that. And that's completely freed on the website.
0: So great. Thank you, Sandra, so much for being with us today and sharing all that you've been studying and learning and doing, and even uh, the tender parts of your story. I really appreciate you so much.
1: Thank you, Heather, for all that you're doing to help. Keep women in the center of God's
0: will. Oh, you're so sweet. And I'll I'll have all the links in the show notes on where they can find you online and and to connect with your book and all that jazz. So I appreciate you and hope you have a great summer. Oh, you too. Take care. All right. Thanks. Okay. I hope that inspired you to think about rest differently. And if you're like, what's my next step? Heather and Sandra just shared so many different things with me. I'd say go over to restquiz.com and take that quiz and just see what areas of your life are crying out for a little restoration and how can you add those things in? I was editing this show while we were driving to go pick up my son from camp and just kept telling my husband different quotes from the show. And he even told me today, he said, you know, I was actually thinking about that rest thing. And he was talking about a specific area he wanted to make sure he put more time and space for rest. And I, I did I think it's a good thing for us to discuss as couples, as families, and to realize that these are options for us. Even social rest. We went we just had fun for my husband's birthday and went out dancing and just being being together and having fun with friends, all of that. Our souls need it. And we um, you know, it's hard to be balanced, but at the same time we can skew one way and and neglect areas of our lives and Anyway, I'm thankful for Sandra for for highlighting this for us. I'm going to pray over us so we do not get overwhelmed with even trying to rest. Dear Lord, I come before you and thank you for each woman who is listening. I praise you for where she is, but I know, Lord, that there is always room for us to be restored and healed. Whatever area she's feeling that brokenness and longing to be made more whole, Lord, I pray that you would highlight that for her, that you would inspire her for a way to get the rest that she is needing. I thank you that it is a reminder that we cannot heal ourselves, that we do need you, God, and that you promised to bind up the brokenhearted. You were sent to heal and restore and to make new. I thank you for that, God. I thank you that you don't want to leave us in a broken state, but you long for us to um Reflect you, and to reflect the fact that you worked hard and you rested. Even Jesus, uh, fully man, fully God, would pull away and take time to rest, Lord. And we thank you for the model that you gave us in that. Pray for the woman listening. Give her strength and wisdom and discernment as she heads into summer to know how to um, to rest in your love for her and to not prove her worth. To not look around. At what everyone else is doing and feel less than that she's failing, but to trust in your guidance for her family and her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Also, want to bring up the summer of mentorship. I mentioned it last week in the show. I'll bring it up again. Some of you had some questions. You can always go to GodcenterMom.com forward slash podcast club if you don't even know what a podcast club is. That is a group of women that you gather and you decide how often and where and when. And some gals meet with their kids at a park during the day. Some meet without kids at home in a house or at a restaurant. All of that is up to you. But we provide the curriculum. And during the summer, so throughout the year, we've been giving our podcast club leaders questions for each episode so that they can discuss it with their group. But in the summer, I like to take a little break from doing interviews since my kids are home and I want to just, it's good to take Sabbath. Uh, so I have, I republish episodes from the past. And so last year, those episodes were all kind of mentorship oriented. So I decided to do it again. And I we have picked six episodes that I will be republishing and my VA and I have written discussion questions and we'll be getting those out soon to podcast club leaders and It will start June 18th, the Monday after Father's Day, and we'll have um, six episodes and questions. And so you can meet once a week with your group. I know the podcast club I'm in, we're doing the summer of mentorship from last summer, but we meet once a month. It's so organic and flexible. I am not keeping track of you doing it right or wrong. We also have a Facebook group right now where we're sharing ideas and supporting one another. All that's available to you if you want it, because we don't want you to mom alone and we want to be able to help support you. And a podcast club is just an easy way for busy moms to get together and discuss something. Um, If you're already listening to the show, it's super easy. Uh, One other thing I was going to bring up is next week's episode is with Kirk Martin, who y'all love. You sent me questions for him and helping our husbands and ourselves and Calm Parenting. Celebrate Calm is his site. So make sure you tune in for that next Monday. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand